Let us pray. Oh God, help us to see you in this day and in this time, in the life we live each day. Amen. Today's the third Sunday in the season of Easter, the third week in a row where we have looked at stories of Jesus' resurrection, of Jesus appearing after his resurrection. On Easter Sunday, we heard Mary Magdalene proclaim that, I have seen the Lord. Last week, we, we read of Jesus appearing to the disciples. They were behind locked doors in fear for those who might come and get them. Jesus appears to these ones who are fearful and pronounces peace. Also last week, we read of one of the disciples, Thomas, saying, I can't believe until I see the wounds. Jesus appears to him and tells them, you've believed because you've seen, but blessed are those who have not seen and yet come to believe. And then right after that, we read the end of John 20, John chapter 20. It goes like this. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you might come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing you might have life in his name. I read those verses that end John 20 because they sure sound like it's the end of that gospel. But actually, it's not the end of it, because today's reading takes up right after what I just read. It's led a lot of scholars to think that this last chapter, the one we read today, was added later on. That John had written his gospel of 20 chapters, and then this other chapter was added on later. And the reason why this last chapter was added on later was to deal with the situation with Peter. You remember Peter. Peter was one of the very first disciples that that came to follow Jesus. Peter was the one that when Jesus said, Who do you say that I am? Peter's the one that jumped up and said, You are the Messiah. And of course, when Jesus gave a wrong definition of the Messiah, Peter was the one to get up and to scold Jesus for talking like that. You remember Peter. Peter's the one that when Jesus was out walking on the water, Peter said, Man, I want to come out there and walk with you. Peter was the one that right after they had had their last supper together, Jesus told the disciples, pretty soon all of y'all are going to run away from me. And Peter said, Lord, all of them might run away, but I'll never run away. Peter's the one later that evening when he was around a fire. Someone said, weren't you with him? No. Peter denied Jesus three times, and then, just as Jesus had said, the rooster crowed. The last we hear of Jesus, I mean of Peter, was he runs away weeping. That's really the last we see or hear of Peter. Now, he's present in some of the uh, resurrection stories, but really we don't hear anything from him except that he's there. We never read of anything that Peter says or does. And yet by the time John's gospel is is being uh, passed around for folks, Peter is one of the leaders in the church. So the suggestion's been made that this last chapter here 
is to let folks know how Peter went from that denying Jesus to being the leader of the church. It begins with Peter saying, I'm going fishing. Maybe he was going fishing just to get away for a bit because it had been a rough time. Or maybe Peter said, I'm going fishing because he wanted to return to how things used to be. Jesus was gone, I guess, and he wanted to return to, to what he knew. He wanted things to be normal again. Of course, once you meet Jesus, things are never normal again. But he goes out fishing with some of the others. They fish all night. They don't catch anything. The next morning, there's a, a fellow on the beach, and he says, You know, fellas, children, why don't y'all uh, toss the net out to the right side and you'll catch fish? They do. And fish are just jumping into the net so much that they couldn't even bring it in. 153 fish. Right away, they know that it's Jesus that's on the shore that told them that. Perhaps they remember back to an earlier time when Jesus had done the same thing. By the time they get to shore, they see that this man on the shore who they know is Jesus, even though they're not going to ask him because they know, he started a fire, a charcoal fire, it says. Jesus invites them to come have breakfast. But this meal is not just going to be about breakfast. It's going to be the beginning of a new day for Peter. What we'll see in this invitation to breakfast is his Beginning of Peter's restoration. One of the first clues we get to this is going to be a restoration of Jesus. It's just a little clue that's in there that, that Jesus had started a charcoal fire. I didn't know this before. I looked it up this week. There's only one other time in the whole of Scripture that that phrase charcoal fire is used. Besides right here in this story. And it also happened in John. And it happened in the story after Jesus was arrested. And Peter was standing by a charcoal fire when he denied Jesus three times. This morning, though, we read of this charcoal fire from the other side of the resurrection and around this charcoal fire, we will see how Jesus will deal with this Peter who had denied him three times. But before Jesus enters into conversation with Peter, they eat breakfast. But I would suggest that it wasn't just a breakfast. It wasn't just a meal. John says that Jesus came and he took the bread and he gave it to them. And then he did the same with the fish. What I think is going on is they just aren't sitting around a charcoal fire eating breakfast. They're sitting around the Lord's table at this fire. And then after they've eaten, Jesus has this conversation with Peter. Three times Jesus asked Peter, Simon, do you love me? And each time Peter says, yeah, Lord, you know I love you. And each time, Jesus responds by saying, feed or tend my lamb or my sheep. 
What are we to make of this threefold question and answers? Now, there's a whole lot of suggestions about what this is, but I want to just jump to one. I think what's going on, Jesus asked Peter the same question three times to renounce and to go back on what what Peter had done earlier. Peter had denied Jesus three times. So by asking three times if he loved him, I think what Jesus is doing here is reminding Peter that he is being forgiven for what he's done. All the guilt, all the shame, all the the weeping that Peter had gone through, all of it, none of it held any weight anymore because Peter had been made whole again. And I don't think it just ends with Peter, with Jesus forgiving Peter. Not only does Jesus forgive Peter, despite the shame that Peter had brought upon himself, Jesus doesn't stop there with forgiving Jesus calls Peter once again. Jesus recommissions Peter to ministry. Feed my sheep, Jesus says. Notice, Jesus, the one we call the good shepherd, is now calling Peter to feed his sheep. I think that what Jesus is doing is he's calling Peter to do the very same thing that Jesus had been doing during all of his ministry. Do what I'm doing is what I think Jesus is saying to Peter. And then, of course, those last words say, follow me. Of course, soon Jesus will be ascended up into heaven. But Peter will still be called to follow Jesus. Do what I have done. So notice what happens here in this this added on story. The last we'd heard from Peter was all about denial and shame and weeping and running away. But today, around yet another charcoal fire, Jesus feeds Peter from his table He removes his shame and his guilt. And then he calls him once again to follow him. To feed my sheep, Jesus says. Of course, this message isn't just for Peter, it's for us. A message that Jesus never gives up on any of us, no matter who we are or what we do. It's a message that God always continues to love us and to call us. It's a message that even across 2,000 years, Jesus is still calling us to follow each week when we gather around his table. We're reminded of that, of the forgiveness and of the call. And when Jesus calls on us to feed his sheep, what might that look like? Think of sheep, think of vulnerable, think of weak, think of um, needing care. Where in our lives might we find those who are vulnerable and weak, who need someone to help stick up for them and protect them? Where in our lives might we find those who are hungry 
and lack the basic needs of life, how might we care for these ones? Where in our lives might there be someone who feels stranded and all alone in this world? How might we reach out to them? We are God's sheep. And God calls us to feed God's sheep. Amen.